listening to WPOE, the worst place on earth. From WFHN Florida Headline News, Bunnell Man Kills Neighbor's Dog After It Mauls His Cat. They say around the way you pass for me There's even talk about you wanting me I must admit that's what I want to hear But that's just talking till you take me there Oh, if it's true, don't leave me Anybody who knows me knows how much I love my babies. Andrea, Nicholas, Friedrich, Bo. They give me joy. They give me a reason to keep on going, even though this world seems to be hurtling towards some kind of inevitable collapse these days. Like we are a meteor flying at exponentially accelerating speed toward the sun. But I always say, it's the small things that offer the most hope, or at least some happiness and distraction. And my babies provide me with hundreds of small joys every day, and... That's what keeps me smiling, even when the people around me seem to have nothing to offer but their constant frowning. Yes, I know they're rats. My babies, yes. Rats are rodents. No, rodents are not all pests. They are not intrinsically full of pestilence or disease. Rat isn't even the proper nomenclature for this family of animals, okay? God's creatures, by the way, as we all are. For those who are interested in the truth and in science... Rattus norvegicus is the correct technical term for the common brown rat that thrives in the wild in nearly every environment in the world. That's one enterprise and animal. And to think we believe we're the most successful creatures on this earth, please. The Rattus family is an extremely intelligent and resourceful one. And we know this not merely because of their numbers, but because they can be easily domesticated and trained. Did you know that rats have been used to sniff out pathogens and drugs and other dangerous substances, just like German Shepherds and Border Collies? They were even used during World War II to help locate undetonated mines, most likely saving the lives of countless cadets. But have you ever seen a president stand behind a podium and commend the noble efforts of such a creature? Have you ever picked up a copy of your favorite magazine and read about the powerful bond that forms between a serviceman and his trusty rodent? Probably not. I remember seeing those pizza rat videos circulating on the internet. And let me tell you, I was not amused. What I saw was a fear-stricken animal, brazenly risking its life in a desperate dash from much-needed nourishment. I could see the terror in its eyes, the panic in its little hands, a starving animal struggling to hold down a meal. Would you have laughed at that video if it was a hungry puppy scrounging for food? Or a kitten? or an emaciated human child? I think not. So it should come as no surprise that I would do anything to guarantee the safety and well-being of my babies. Even more so now because I'm alone, and they only have me to protect them. Richard was always so good at creating a safe environment at home. He even animal-proofed the backyard so the babies could roam free without fear. I've tried to maintain things, but I've never had the knack for carpentry or building or anything like that. That was always Richard's department. He grew up on a farm way down in Homestead. He never talked about it much. I think he considered it a lowly caste to be born into. But it made him a natural expert in certain things, made him sensitive to dangers I hardly ever even considered. 
I was always worrying over the mysoplasmas and pasturellas and all the other bacterial invaders out there. Old Humphrey caught wet tail from a parasite likely living in the compost heap we used to keep next to the garage. He eventually died from it, and we couldn't even bury him for fear of the parasite spreading to his brothers and sisters, who were still just pups back then. I worried about Richard, too, that's true. His cigar smoking. It was his only vice, really, and I never nagged him about it, even when he paid his cousin Hector to smuggle some boxes back from Cuba. So dangerous. Not like Richard at all to be involved in something so risky. I mean, all Hector had to do was sneak them on and off the cruise ship, but still. It's those cigars that finally caught up to him, my Richard. I suppose it's the things we love the most that end up costing us the most in the end. Doesn't mean we should love them any less while we can, though. I guess what I'm saying is that it's been hard without Richard around to keep everybody safe. And I didn't even know he owned a firearm. I mean, I knew we had it. It was Richard's from when he was a boy, one of the few things he held on to from his childhood. So I always assumed it was like a toy, like a pellet gun, one of those air rifles, like from that Christmas movie. You'll shoot your eye out. It never occurred to me that a little boy would be running around with a real loaded shotgun, regardless of their rural upbringing. And we had a new neighbor. I had put off introducing myself because of everything going on in the news and people all over the world getting sick, so I hadn't met him yet, him or his dog. I didn't even know he had a dog before I saw it leap over the back fence and him climb over after it. I didn't know what to think, but I knew my four babies were back there, lazing in the afternoon sun like they always do, and I knew from the look in that dog's eyes that he was hungry for blood. I couldn't blame him for it, being a bull terrier and just doing what a hunting dog is born to do, but I wasn't about to just sit back and let him make a meal of my family. So I grabbed Richard's boyhood rifle out from his old golf bag where he kept it, and I charged right out there. I guess I thought a pellet gun would stun him just enough to stop him in his tracks, just enough that his owner could catch up to him. I didn't imagine it could hurt him all that much. So I fired the shot and... That dog just exploded up in the air. And then his owner, my new neighbor, he was charging right at me, that same hungry-for-blood look in his eyes, and I fired a second shot, this time without thinking at all. And he just spun around like a toy top, crashing at the end of its turn. And the two just lay there, silent and broken on the lawn, And I remember the rifle felt so hot in my hand that I just dropped it. And there was smoke coming out of the end of it, and I could see Andrea and Friedrich and Bo nibbling on the grass. And I wasn't at all worried about Nicholas, even though I couldn't see where he was. And that's just exactly what happened. What happened to me. Sarah Solomon Garcia at my home in Bunnell. I don't expect you to have heard of me. I haven't gone viral on the internet or anything, so I doubt you've ever even heard my name. Unless you were one of my students, I suppose. I did teach ninth grade biology for 42 years and AP chemistry that one year we offered it. But I don't imagine any of those kids remember me. (sighs) One of my pregnant dams, Masha. She did deliver a whole litter of pups in front of the whole class my last year at Heritage High. They might remember that. The students squealed even louder than the babies. I asked if anyone wanted to hold one, even though it's not entirely safe for the newborn pups to be handled by humans. 
I thought it might be a transformative experience. But no one wanted to. No one held out their hand. Oh, it's recording. Oh, now it is. Look at Here that. We are. Here we I are. like your new name on Squadcast, Caleb. <laughs> Eat me. That's great. It, it, it. I didn't choose it. It chose me. Wow. So this is our uh, third fully locked down episode, right? Is it? Yeah. I think so. Because, yeah, I think it's the third oh, one no. we've done from inside of our lonely little hovels. Our bunker holes. Uh, Broward's opening up next Monday. What's Broward? (laughs) Oh, shit. They're going to have rodeos soon. Drive-thrus. Wait, drive-thru rodeos? That's the future. That is a great idea. That is a good idea. I'm going to create a poster for that. It's like a tiny little corral with one little tiny man on a tiny bull. And you pull up and you put a quarter in the slot and starts riding that little bull. The gate opens. <laughs> it's like a vending it's like a rodeo vending machine. Oh, I would love that. Copyright 2020 Caleb Scott. Rodeo vending machine. <laughs> There's actually one out here that still operates in LA. There's a rodeo, but everyone's distant from each other. So there's only like one roping contestant at a time. Everyone's like still in their trailers or cars parked away from each other. I don't know how they're operating like Does this. Does the guy like ride the bull, but from six feet away from the bull? He just oh, like, no, jot, but the an- jot, they're close to their animals. To it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I've got control over this animal with my pelvis. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's also a lot of, um, you know, the MAGA people in that group too. So I'm sure they're not really, you know, it's an active protest for them. So... What's MAGA? Is it like some weird mustard you mixed with mayonnaise? (laughs) It's an underwear brand for men against... uh, Men against going anywhere. (laughs) Going anywhere. Men against going anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) MAGA. Men against going anywhere. Buy it. At Nordstrom Rack. Just kidding. Nordstrom Rack just filed for bankruptcy. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, they're my jam. I'm always there. Them and J. Crew, but in all fairness, I thought J. Crew went out of business like 20 years ago. In the 90s. <laughs> in the you late know? 90s, yeah. Like, as soon as women stopped wearing pleated pants, I felt like J. Crew, I mean, the first never time. Never stopped, never stopped. No, the first time they stopped. They, they re-upped them. Oh, right. In, in the 2000s, but like, the first time they stopped. Is what right, I mean. before it was ironic, yeah. Before everything was ironic. Carnival crew and uh, Norwegian crew are going to be the next two. <laughs> are they going to go out of business? I feel like the, all the sales are up on on cruises right now. Like, I mean, it defies any really? kind they're of They're struggling. Logic. There's no way they're going to get people in right now. No, they. I read a whole thing where they're like surging. How? Throbbing with customers. <laughs> I didn't even want to go on a cruise before it was dicey. Same. Nobody did who didn't want gonorrhea, but like some people maybe like the itch <laughs> and and the um, sewage floating through the uh, yeah through the decks the, and the, sewage floating everywhere and 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 
onion and tomato sandwiches. Legionnaire's disease in the AC vents. I don't know Ooh. if that's how that one works, Caleb. <laughs> it's all the same. The blood matter. elevator. Do you remember the story that there were these people Whoa. waiting for an elevator and it started shooting out blood because like someone was Shining? working? Yes, just like in The Shining, which is why probably it made headlines. But there was this man working on an elevator shaft and he, they were understaffed or there was no one like spotting for him or something. Oh, and there was an accident and he got crushed by it. And then all the layers are like it spout out at like these 25 people who are like waiting for the elevator, like families. On a boat? Yeah, on a cruise ship. And then they couldn't Holy clean it up for shit. hours. So it was just all over the lobby and they had a therapist for them. They thought it was part <laughs> of the adventure. <laughs> blood elevator like that poor man yeah they they didn't dock for a while i forgot what it was they took a while they got them all counselors or something and they gave them all like <laughs> oh, them all gym good. gym counselors <laughs> they got, they got, got everyone one trainers. gym counselor in little 70s shorts <laughs> get your body right <laughs> come on everybody jump over the log <laughs> oh right. shit so rat lady <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about Sarah Solomon Garcia. I love her. Who, so there's lots of layers to this story, but I feel like everybody had her as a teacher. She might oh, not yeah. have been your science teacher, but she's been all of our teacher. I kind right? of based her off of my anatomy teacher from high school. Yeah, she's like, a, you know, the like frizzy haired, like kind of, crunchy sort of progressive but also hates humanity <laughs> we all know this person yeah um, who helps you like dissect your first like cat's corpse in the classroom right. you know right oh this one or, had babies or, they're know, all dead I feel like sometimes <laughs> she's the english teacher too or yeah. she's the yeah i mean she's rarely the math teacher that's always this was a real story, you know? This was a teacher. That's always like an angry nun or or like a, a drunk, divorced dad. But so <sighs> this, yeah. So I messed with the story this time because the, the headline is actually about... So this came to me actually through um, my wife, who is a uh, middle school principal. She came across an article from a Florida publication about a guy who shot shot a dog because it was attacking his dog and then accidentally shot the dog's owner so he said but the reason she stumbled on the story accidentally that, yeah so the reason she stumbled on the story she was that she was like oh my god that guy used to be a science teacher at my school and I thought, oh, that... Wait, can we say this? Yeah, but because I'm not saying any kind of names. That's about true. anything. Okay. All this... All, the connection ha was kind of happened before she even worked there. So it's like all in the past. The guy's retired. But I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like, um, a, a retired, like, middle school teacher who's like shooting his neighbor's dog. I just thought that was like a really interesting I forget, story. Like, was he standing his ground? Like, did he... I mean, I don't was know. The... I it, There wasn't like a follow-up story, so I don't know what happened, if he was charged or if he was convicted or whatever. I don't, I don't know. 
But I thought it was like a really interesting en- entry point. And then I switched the gender and the age of the protagonist just because I thought having it be a, a retired teacher who like, I don't know. Then there's the thing about like the gun that was her husband's gun and he's passed away and like she doesn't even realize that it's a, actually a shotgun. Right. I don't know. I, I There were all these like kind of pieces that sort of came together that are pieced together from real stories that I've heard, you know, in the world. Well, rat people are a specific breed, no? Yes, rat people are real people. (laughs) (laughs) Rat people are people too. As Matt can attest. And when I was researching this story, um, researching my take on the story... I came across like a rat people kind of like fan page where it's like all these like blogs written by rat people. And literally it's just all about like these people that like love rats. And yeah, that's on top of the character. Her personality was based on this person that I knew um, who was a, a, a um, sound designer, like a theatrical sound designer and she had pet rats. And for a while, I was friends with her in social media land. And she, like, talked about her rats all the time. Like, all the time. As if they're, like, her children, no? Yeah. Or, like, and so, like people. pictures, like, the rat's birthday party. And, like, the rats, they got into the trash again. And then the rats, like... I don't know. <laughs> it's, like, a whole thing. There are different kinds, right? Did she have, like, those tiny little... Like no. lab rat looking ones, or she had like the big ones. They're just different colors. Yeah, oh. I mean the the, the don't like, they f- like grow to different sizes though, depending on their environment. Not really. Well, like so the thing is like mice, the common mouse and rats are actually the same, basically the same animal completely. Yeah, they're just different sizes. Yeah, and like the brown rat is the like most common rat, the rat that's like you see all in your trash can or whatever yeah um and the white ones are just they're those rats are genetically engineered they're albino rats Um, right right i don't even know if they use them more often in in i think they used to because they would fill them with dyes and stuff or they i don't don't know yeah they they do they do use the the white ones a lot for um cosmetic testing and dyes to like that kind of thing yes put like mascara on their skin exactly Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love in this story when the rat lady talks about like popular culture rats and like how it reminds her of how they're mistreated and misunderstood. She's an advocate. Yeah, but that's like, I think that is in that personality. I mean, I think everyone knows someone who is like a a particular, like a dog person who like is like, oh, really, yeah. like if they see in the news that a dog's been abused, then it's like... I would rather those people died than that dog. You know, like, it's a very... And I think, like, that's the sort of... Like, not only are people misinformed about this animal, but, um, like, they... It's... This animal's actually more loving and more intelligent and a better pet than any of your pets. Well... Right, it's a competition. I have a theory about that because I did... Uh, I think I had one, two, three 
I, I owned three rats in, in my life, and it was later, you know, as, as an adult. My first theory is that any animal lover would become a rat person if they spent time with a nice domesticated rat. Like, they're, they're right. actually very much like dogs, more than you right. would um, ever imagine Aww. in terms of them actually being loyal and friendly and whatever. Right. But wouldn't you say that, like, the same is true for, like, if you spent any time owning ferrets, suddenly you'd be a ferret person? Probably. Here's where it gets a little weird with... Ferrets do smell bad, though. And they, they, they do, way and too rats much energy. don't. Rats are yeah. pretty clean. Here's where, where the rat thing gets to be kind of sad and why I stopped being a rat person is that if you're lucky, you can have a rat for like two years. Oh, they, oh. They're, their lifespans are really short? Yes. Female rats generally develop tumors after like 18 months. Is that what the tails are? Just these tumors? Oh my God. Just curious. <laughs> I didn't know this or I never would have adopted them because... They have the same, once you get past the tail, like the tail is what spooks everybody and freaks everyone out and it's kind of gross. I don't mind the tail. It's like a little garden snake growing off the back of the... It's like a little armadillo. They're so lovely as little animals to to hold and to hang out with. They sit in your pocket and like all of them were like this for me. They were all cool. I had a mouse when I was a kid um, and I loved that mouse probably loved it to death really if you think about it uh-huh. and yeah, then a kid um, will love a pet to death for you sure. know but is it so is that lifespan shorter than like say a hamster i think it is yeah but really? also the the reason that it's it's kind of sad is that once they start developing the tumor the first one i got i actually had the vet take the tumor out it was like a 350 dollar <laughs> surgery I'm like, man, I'm spending this on a rat that used to live outdoors. It was a from the Wildlife Care Center. I adopted it. Oh. And you that, didn't get it from like PetSmart from the Anaconda food. No, no, I got it. Yeah, from, like stole it out of the <laughs> totally. I will save you. The snake out of the snake barrel. The snake pit. <laughs> it was an evacuee from the Wildlife Care Center uh during one of the hurricanes back in I think it was oh, 03 yeah. or 04. And so Wilma then after the, yeah, after the hurricane was over, I didn't want to give the rat back. I had it for like two weeks. And so I called them and I said, I'd like to adopt the rat. And they said, well, we're going to need to come out and audit your living situation. <laughs> to make sure it's appropriate for the adoption. <laughs> I thought that was the most ridiculous thing. They're like, I'm wow. sorry, your, your domicile. You haven't rat proof this. Not conducive to the it's rats. Not, it's not New York City subway enough. Yeah. We need more feces lying about. Scatter some more garbage. and <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that thinks that that's ridiculous. So I, Wow, they really how care. How can I really like shine a light on just how ridiculous this is to these people? So I thought about it, and I had taken a bunch of pictures during the hurricane of me with the rat to show people, because I, you know, I was not a rat person, and now I am. So I took all of those pictures and set it to um, Mariah Carey's Hero. <laughs> Oh my and I did God. a slideshow on my laptop. So when they came over to audit my house, I said, I just put something together for you. I wanted I wanted you to see. Wait, it. so you were like fostering the rat? At yes, this I point? was fostering the rat. Oh my God. But they don't live long enough to jump from home to home. These people Seriously, are serious. Oh my God. It's torture for those poor creatures. There's a hero. So I made her watch the entire slideshow of me with the rat. 
with the you know Ken Burns effect zooming in on the, <laughs> the, the rat Burns. face, all of it. <laughs> wow! Oh and she God. was after that. She was I'm actually movie. kind of spooked. You know, I'm, I wasn't doing. I wasn't obviously doing a bit to her. I was just acting normal. And I said, I you know thought you might like to see this. Oh my God! <laughs> I just care like, about these rats. You gonna murder me? She wanted out of there. I got to keep the rat, and that was it. But right. Yeah, but I only had that rat for like a year and I got another rat and that one died um, within 18 months or whatever. Because you didn't get the tumor removed, Matt. Wait, did they just sprout these tumors? That's just something they live with? One day there's a giant tumor in their underbelly. It's because there's too many of them. Nature's like, we need to find a way to cut down these numbers. Probably because they're, uh, who knows? You guys, They're eating our trash, maybe. We're all doctors now during quarantine. We're all... The World Bank is breeding rats. Oh, you're going to poke this bear. Oh, <laughs> yeah. man. They're breeding rats to take over our institutions after we're all dead from coronavirus. That's what I read. That's what I read in Plandemic. The, the conspiracy people are out in the droves. downloadable They're, PDF version. There's not enough room for them to go somewhere. There's not enough help out there. Oh, man. I'm glad I'm not... Ascribing all, to any weird guys, conspiracies right that, now. It's all in John Podesta's risotto recipe from <laughs> Hillary's hacked emails. It's all in there. Oh, my God. It's, in, it's in a locked box in Anthony Weiner's basement. Just go read it. Go read it. You'll see. Yeah. You'll see. It's all code. I love the debate over whether Foley lied or not. It's all yeah. Navajo code for COVID-19. <laughs> Gotta read the COVID codes. The only COVID code I see in plain sight is Trump and Pence not wearing masks. Like, why are you dog whistling to these people who still don't believe in the virus? Like, Trump says he thinks wearing a mask makes him look weird. Yeah, yeah. It's appearances. Dude, have you looked at what you look like? Yeah, dude. The office of the presidency I mean, means nothing. Come on. Like, are you worried about that? He's like... He he's like a weird, bloated, retired game show. Uh, 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 what do you call host? It? Game show host. Like a <laughs> like if you went if you did a TV show about like the 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 hosts of Wheel of Fortune past, and you like went to all their houses to find out what's going on with you now, and you found the one that was like still bleaching his teeth and had like a tanning bed in his shed. <laughs> Like, and somehow had these like women in his house there inexplicably like being, you know, that's Trump. Whatever, like, I living don't in understand. the cat ranch. The interesting thing about him too is that he doesn't drink. <sighs> so that bloating is definitely from just food and like whatever sodium and so disgusting. Just like, yeah, it's it's like cheeseburger bloat. Ew. Yeah, it's not like beer bloat or or even whiskey bloat. It's not even boof bloat. <laughs> Oh, he's the dumbest murderer. He's the dumbest Hitler ever. Oh my I'm God, so the upset. dumbest. He's the dumbest Nixon of all time. Ugh. But I wonder, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if you could boof a cheeseburger. <laughs> you know, if you got Kavanaugh to, uh, to blow hard enough. I think that's what boofing means, right? Yeah, that's that's what you do. Trump is like if Alfred Hitchcock's silhouette ate too many hoagies, or maybe sold hoagies, and then... <laughs> became the mascot for a rodeo cartoon i don't wow. know I, that's good you know that works that works does for that me. do wow. those images work all together that works for me i don't know 
he's just a murderer. The minute you like tell everyone around you to wear masks and then you don't wear it yourself, like, come on, you don't care about anyone around you. Speaking of murderers, um, <laughs> I, you know, so this, this uh, Ahmud Arbery thing that's yeah. going yeah. on, the <sighs> Mick Michaels. Those guys. Oh, come on. So, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because it, it actually does connect to the story uh, oh, in, a yeah, way, sure. in a way that I didn't expect because I wrote the story before that thing broke. Mm-hmm. Not before it happened, but before it broke in the news and stuff. First of all, I just have to say, so the, the elder McMichael, um, the goatee one, the dad, I mean, he looks like your everyday, like, whatever, backyard racist. But the son, <laughs> like, that dude looks like he grew up in a pumpkin patch. Am I, oh my God. <laughs> am I right about that? Like, there's something yeah. wrong there. Like, Lenny wrong. Well, he's yeah. the one who took it too far, I right? I found the, the mouse. I think I broke it, daddy. Like, that oh kind my of God. stuff. And I, okay, yeah. I'm just, that's you hit it just, on the head. Yeah. It's just from one picture of him, but it, like, really does look like there's no prescription of glasses that could make that person see right. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're candidates for two people who commit a lynching, for sure. Like, I don't know why anyone's debating this. We've seen the video. But I was, So this all happened after we recorded uh, that story, after I wrote the story and after um, we recorded it. And um, Oh, yeah, our last two stories are, like, about disgruntled white people and their guns. <laughs> so? So Sarah Solomon Garcia, she's not disgruntled, but I was thinking about, oh, so the man, her neighbor, who she hasn't met because of, like, the lockdown. Oh, right, yeah. Right? He, his dog jumps over her fence and her her beloved rats are in the backyard and all she can think to do is like grab her her pass her dead hus- husband's gun and go out there and start shooting but i was like oh like i don't i didn't specify in the story like what race her neighbor is you know like and i think i, I i've been thinking a lot about this i'm like wow like it's very it's a very different story if her neighbor is uh if he's and if he was a black man if running he's a into black her man yard jumping over her fence with his race crazy dog for this one. no yeah. and i didn't either when i wrote it because it wasn't really it wasn't intended to be about that but it it did this whole thing happening kind of made me really think hard about that because I think the situation definitely changes and it means different things. I mean, yeah. she she was married uh, in the story. She she was married to a Cuban man, but of course, like being in South Florida, um, and Jess, you being from South Florida, like you understand that, like, oh, you um, can be racist and be married to a person of color. Of course, well, you can. but also you can be Cuban and and be racist against <laughs> black you know people. I mean? Oh well, my yeah. God, are you kidding me? Yeah, there's all these levels of this stuff yeah. alive and well in our society. Wait, where is she? She's in Bunel, which is north, I, I think, a, like a little bit north of the Palm Beaches, uh, like not on the coast, a little bit closer to the center. Anyway, I just I, that's something that struck me about the story uh, that I hadn't thought about before. Um, you know. And it's also not, like, there isn't an ending. Like, it's not clear what the outcome was of the story. I always wondered about her motivations, but I feel like even in that moment, she isn't aware 
of what, like, she's just moving lucidly and deciding to protect her family. Right. And that's what I wanted it to be. That's what, that was sort of the idea of the story. Yeah. That she's so invested in these animals that there's no question that she would just defend them however she could. And people get weird when they're alone and unchallenged by anyone. Like, they're left to their own devices and fantasies. So there's no one there to check her. Maybe if her husband did that, I don't know. But yeah, she's just there, yeah, isolated. And in quarantine, which is a special kind of isolation that may never end. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I think that also like like the lockdowns and stuff are actually different for people who are in more rural places or suburban places like it's certainly different from for my parents who are in a kind of a rural suburban kind of one of those in between places mm-hmm. because like they they really don't go out that much anyway and mm-hmm. so like it's really kind of always been trips to the supermarket. Yeah, my parents are like this too. My dad's still going to work. He works in a prison. They had their first death from COVID yesterday. He doesn't know much about the person, but they all talk about the death, which is insane to me. Um, And my mom works from home, so she's not commuting to the office. But yeah, their lives were like, oh, maybe we go out to dinner or we go to the Keys, but we're home with each other and we don't really... Reach out. I feel like society is kind of like that now, though. I mean, there aren't many, like, public gathering spaces or a sense of community. Like, I feel like people have really become kind of sequestered. Wouldn't you say that, like, this is shining a light on divisions? Uh, Maybe these have kind of always been there. But, you know, we are talking about, like, a, a, a big divide between kind of suburban or rural places in the country and more urban ones. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, in Miami and, and certainly in L.A. when when I lived there and in New York, uh, community and social gathering are a huge part, the prominent part of your existence in those places. That's how you exist in, in the world, entirely Mm -hmm. um even to commute is like a big uh kind of a a big foray into like crowd mitigation (laughs) like like everything's about being around other people because you're so isolated new york and la like really takes great strides to create those those areas but i feel like for older people they don't have access like i feel like a lot of that is online or right. and if their friends aren't alive or near them you know they can't really right. gather but what i'm saying though too is that like there's a divide in the way people have reacted to this like in general people in yeah. new york city i don't know what's been like in la specifically but i think like people in cities have been actually pretty good about following the rules and trying to like do the right thing to stop the spread of stuff and staying at home. I know the all of my people in New York including my brother like they they've been very kind of good about that. And I think in places like where my parents live that's sort of where the unrest is happening where people want to like go out. And maybe it's just that they don't they don't feel the pressure of um like a denser body of people or something i don't know i think that's exactly what it is you can't escape 
people even just walking in New York City. Mm-hmm. Right. In the rural areas, you have space. You can spread out. Right. You can you can breathe. Why isn't Pizzeria Uno open? You know when, like, there's not that many people around anyway. Yeah. Right. But ironically, like, if there's an irony there, I'm not sure. But those places are so much more adversely affected by an outbreak because they have less resources and yeah. uh, fewer hospitals, less equipment, fewer doctors. So if things are to spread there, it would be catastrophic. Yeah. Right. Well, we're going to know more soon, I think. I mean, there's so much research being done about the virus and we're so much more advanced now than science was back right. in, you know, the early 1900s. So we're going to have a quicker idea of who and why and what is happening with this thing, which is kind of amazing. Do you think it's going to matter in the sense that, like, I mean, it will matter in in terms of, like, how we kind of recover and approach the thing, and it'll it'll matter in testing and and understanding about how it spreads but like do you think there are aspects of our society that have been rattled enough that they will be changed forever i because i wonder about that i absolutely do and i think it will matter well we already know that one third of the deaths have been in um like nursing homes or assisted living right like that's a huge number so we know that something going on there and it's not just that the people are older right um then there's also like this thing about the the little kids in new york exactly and and the 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 disease the like the kids without pre-existing conditions that are dying the young children and and a bunch of them have died and like they exactly and the virus is exhibiting like a different virus and they don't really understand how COVID relates to that. And like they hadn't seen those symptoms before. Like there's all kinds of crazy stuff. It's self-editing the virus. It's like mutating itself whenever there's an error. So they're looking for um, these like, what are they, these cures that somehow take away that editing process for the virus so it can't oh, self-mutate. Uh, yeah. no, because it's I like think, evolving and on its own. But I think a UV light takes care of that. <laughs> yeah, if you just drink some bleach. To answer your questions, I feel I, I hope so. I hope people are changed by this and But I mean I some of the changes it, I'm I don't, not I yeah, I'm not it could cool be a about. bad thing. Yeah. Like, like what if you yeah, find out okay, so one third are the, the older people in in the nursing homes. What if you find out that really two-thirds or, or another one-third is strictly travel transmission. It all right. happened on an airplane or happened on a and boat. And then travel becomes a thing that, like, nobody does anymore. Exactly. It's not worth, like, yeah. risking your life. But then also there's, like, there's all this stuff about, you know, the way restaurants are going to operate, if they operate at all. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, people are predicting that, like, 40% of small businesses will never reopen and like yeah that the ones it, that closed already right yeah and like yeah. that is a crazy number we were projected to reach over eighty thousand deaths by august and we're here already we're there already so this seems sort of like um 
this seems less important and maybe like a kind of a callous thing to be worried about. But I wonder about like the simple operations of things like hotels and and Matt, you were kind of speaking to this and like restaurants and parks and places where people go to, to find pleasure. And if like those things are upended in all these ways, um, are people going to continue to find pleasure in those things? Like, I, I don't know that I want to go to a restaurant and be sitting you know, 12 feet from anybody else or like, right. and my waiters are wearing masks and like, I, that's not pleasurable for me. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of It rough. sort of takes away the whole, it takes away the whole... The fun of it. The whole piece. Like the whole, the whole idea of going to a restaurant is that it's a communal experience. I work at a hotel and they stopped coming in the two weeks before this. I mean, it was right. very slow. Right. So they're talking about operating at 25% of capacity at least. I mean, it's it's not going to be hard to be doing that because nobody wants that experience. I well, mean, right. it's all about how you treat the guest and what you create for them, you know, when they're there. Because otherwise you could just eat at home, which is all I've been doing. Like, is this going to fundamentally <laughs> change how we go out at all? Like, yeah. I mean, that is the... That's the rattling thing for me, like... Okay, would you go to a bar if it reopened? Maybe in a month from now. Maybe an outdoor place? Maybe. And that's something that's happening here, that, like, people are... People are trying to push through, like, legislation that will... Um, or, or, like, lifting of the zoning laws and stuff that will allow restaurants to have more seating outside and then also like people want to shut down like ocean drive and a bunch of other oh yeah streets so you're not sharing the same recycled air all day in a restaurant too well no just so like because that's one thing that they're going to be doing in new york is letting restaurants have outdoor seating right oh because they need sidewalk permits they need exactly but they're lifting so they're going to lift all of those ordinances and kind of cut through all the red tape to let most restaurants be able to do that and i think they're trying to do that here too so they can stay open because they're going to close that certainly is a way to maybe have it be possible but i don't know it's it feels so it feels so for it feels like such a foreign experience to like people will go people who aren't us <laughs> They we'll will, and <laughs> like immediately, like next yeah, weekend. There, there will be some people that are chomping at the bit and want to go immediately. But I think we have to remember that it's probably going to be temporary until there's a vaccine, and then that's going to change the game a little bit, or some sort of a therapeutic thing that right makes it not still, so scary. That's at the, the soonest we're going to have any kind of thing like that is probably a is year like a from year. Now. What did right. the head of the CDC say? He said, no, we're not reopening the country because we told you to, or because it's safe, or because scientists said that this should happen. We're doing this because there's pushback, it's political, mm -hmm. and yeah. we're trying to restart the economy too early. Like, they just flat out had a press he conference also and said, said that. You're talking about <laughs> Fauci, right? Or no, the other guy. The no, the other guy. guy. Um, the Beardy guy. McBeardson, yeah. You know that Fauci um, admitted that he's 130 years old. Which I thought was weird. <laughs> and he's also uh, Biden's new campaign manager. So And his running mate. But he's getting a sex change um, next week. We should have a segment where we say, where is Biden? And we <laughs> make up scenarios. In every single thing, we like try to figure out where he is. Is he on the bus? Is he learning how to work that stripper pole? He's on a raft oh, wow. somewhere. He's in his weird basement next to his like 
sub zero refrigerator full of meat. Just meat. Venison. Just deer. Deer meat. Venison that Jeb Bush sent him because they're actually real good friends. Yeah, hunting buddies. Hunting buddies, yeah. Are they really? I can't speak to that. Probably. Come on. Oh, wow. That would be wild if they were buds. I bet you they, they are, are, dude. Come on. So are Michelle Obama and George W. Bush. They go out hunting together. Who for doesn't want quail. to hang out with Jeb Bush? All rich people. They're in the same league of extraordinary rich people. It would be like hanging out with dumb Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> Do you remember when Jeb Bush was running for president and he seemed like such a horrible fucking option? <laughs> oh, yeah. Remember the people though, like, in Florida were still about it. He walked into my church growing up and, no, and that was it. The next craned. He, that was the one time I saw him in church growing up in South Florida. The necks so craned weird. and the cranes cried. Oh, I remember the priest telling everyone to vote for George W. Bush, which is against oh the law. No? Yeah. Against God's law. I remember that happening. Jeb Bush. Wow. He was, the smart, Bush. He was the smart one, too. Wait, was yeah. that the one that Trump decimated? Well, I mean, there were like 12, 13 candidates. He went through all of them. That was, yeah, that was when it was Jeb and Marco, Rubio. Was he the one with the tiny hands? What did he say about Bush? I don't remember. Or was that Rubio? About Jeb? I mean, Jeb was, Jeb's I think he did a voice was, or something. I think he gave him kind of the sleepy treatment, right? Like he's going to do with Joe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. His eyes are too close together, which is true. <laughs> Does anyone want to talk at all about the pink slip band? Yeah, so. Oh, yeah. I love these guys. And hey, y'all. I'm going to talk a little bit about the music because uh, it was a little fun figuring this stuff out. So, I originally had wanted the music for this episode to be like children's music, you know, like a. Mm, like almost like folk or something. Yeah, or... like children's folk songs. You know how, like, there's all those <laughs> recordings that people make. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a, a group that, like, a somewhat recognizable group that we would know who does this but like it's a it's a big thing i know a group like, in new york that does that like Lori berkner band they're like the yeah. biggest in the country yeah. yeah like that kind of stuff and i thought that would be perfect but i had a little trouble finding stuff that was like florida stuff that wasn't just like like you know like and the big big yellow bus goes boom 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 and i was just like that's gonna be too <laughs> crazy and then like if we if we contact these people and we're like check out our podcast can we use your music they're gonna be like what no what is this we, shotgun we lady and children's music so <laughs> yeah then i started going down into like a, a kind of a florida might be difficult. folk hole um and jess knows a little bit about this because she went into a similar hole and there's I a went lot into a bluegrass hole <laughs> there's a lot of florida folk music and we can talk about that later when we actually do like a you know, like a swampland Florida folk band, because there's like a lot of that stuff. And I think it's a really it's good too. interesting yeah. genre of music down here. But like these guys, so these guys, I kind of just stumbled on. And they're, I mean, they're sort of folk music, but they're more, there's this like genre of music. And I don't know if it, ex, if it's, it's not a Florida thing, but I think it's like a, I think it's like a, a thing that exists predominantly in like seaside places or places that have big retirement populations, places where people go on vacation, places with tiki bars is what I'm saying, is what I'm talking about. <laughs> There's always these like um, musical acts that perform at said tiki bars or at places like that. And I, for one, love all of that. I love oh, yeah. going and seeing like... like tiki bar a lounge act at a tiki cover bar. bands it's like my favorite yeah. thing totally um and 
these guys uh they kind of are that but they also they they sent me an email and they said that they um they also do this um multimedia musical sing along thing it's like lectures where they get hired um i don't know if it's if it's schools or or if it's like more of a commercial thing but they get hired to do these like multimedia um folk music like educational lectures and that's what they do for a living now wow um quite and, a gig and and like they're uh they're like w- one of them bill it's it's bill and um joan i think i'm getting that right and um right i gotta check my email bill was a journalist i don't know where and joan was a a professor, a college professor, and they've retired from those jobs, and now they just do these folk music educational tours. <laughs> I really enjoy their cover of Vendimolo. Yes, I mean, I just... They cover the Mark Anthony song, I Need to Know in English. It's so great. But to me, like, that cover transports me, like, directly to, like a like, a shack, like in the Everglades, like, you Or know, that floating bar we went to yes, in West Palm. Eating, like, gator boat. meat <laughs> yeah. and, like, listening to it. Like, and I, I love that. And it's it's such a part of Florida, at least my experience of Florida, that I thought it was kind of perfect. Uh, and then yeah. knowing that they do, like, this educational um, folk music thing really tied it in for me to the story of this retired science teacher who mm. ends up <laughs> shooting her neighbor's dog and her neighbor with a shotgun. It all comes full circle. Because her bull terrier. Not that Bill and Joan would do this, but... Killer pet rat, <laughs> right. But there's yeah. just... I don't know what it is. There, to, to me, like, that is... Like, on so many different levels is so Florida. Mm-hmm. Like Dude, these yeah. two retired professionals who have come together to like create educational folk music. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they said that they they'd uh, um that they they'd uh played at a bunch of uh Bernie Sanders uh fundraisers cuz they so they're from Palm, Oh wow. They're from Palm Beach County. So like that's real Republican up there. Um, and half of it is, yeah. So they, so like they, they, they're like this little, they're like this progressive folk duo. Oh yeah, they screened us. They wanted to make sure we weren't like angry conspiracy theorists, conservatives <laughs> to be on we're, this podcast. We're not angry conspiracy theorist conservatives. We're happy <laughs> conspiracy theory Marxists, libtard, li- libtards. <laughs> I guess we do libtards. fall under that category. I forget that we're libtards. What an you know affectionate what? phrase. When my when when my unitard is is in the dryer, I just put on my libtard. <laughs> I liberate my unitard from the dryer. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, we still use that word apparently. Well, thank you, Pink Slip Band, yeah. for being a part of this. Super cool. Absolutely. I think it's gonna it's gonna work really well. Um what's up, Matt? What else you got cooking? <laughs> what do you got cooking uh Oh we have to next, write uh, more. We have Excaligator. Yeah, we're kind of looking into the uh 
quarantine void right now. Um, I have one story yeah. kind of on the on the burner about. Uh, I mean, I'll talk more about this, but it's sort of about this woman who lives up in the Everglades. Uh, so the swamp music is coming. Yeah, who's like quarantining Very excited. At her, in her like weird swamp ranch. Uh, <laughs> it has to do cabin. With, has to do with an alligator with a knife. Yeah, I sent you that story with a knife, with the knife in, in his head. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. That one's. Cooking. I think it was that popular meme that's like, if somebody takes this sword, this this sword out of the gator's head, they become king of Florida. King of Florida or <laughs> something. something. Excaligator, yeah. yeah. It's Ex- so stupid. <laughs> Excaligator. It's <laughs> really good. Yeah. Uh, you, Jess, what are you writing? Oh, well, it's Caleb's turn. No, it's my turn technically. Um. I don't know. I know I have a couple of things I've been thinking about writing, but I don't have anything finalized you yet. You have some stuff that hasn't there been There was Suitcase Lady. Too. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the lobster lady. story. Suitcase Lady, I think you guys remember this. The the woman who, like, it started out as fun and games, and she zipped her husband in a suitcase, and she left him there to die. And, like, there was, like, video recording of her, like, taunting him and stuff. Because he had been abusing her, and then she decided, because they were drinking and he was vulnerable, she was going to, like allegedly zip him in the suitcase and have him asphyxiate so it's a real uplifting story <laughs> although although i feel like uh, it's, it's oddly appropriate it's oddly appropriate for this time of social distancing like That's zipping true. someone up in a suitcase is pretty much the only way to really spice things up distance here. for sure yeah oh yeah distance yeah like quarters. let's get drunk and play weird games and then one of us dies yeah they have parlor games. It makes me think, yeah. Sorry, I wouldn't yeah, cut you off. I was going to say we're going to end it here, and then I'm yeah. going to come back for the after hours segment, and I'm going to ask you each the same question. We're so stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned if you wait. If you're going to ask. Oh wait, you're going to ask us the same question, and we're, you're going to use the answers we just gave you, or we have to answer them again. No, this, this is a different question. Oh, okay, okay. A question that has not yet been asked. I love the after hours. So, here's my question for both of you. Oh, yeah. I know when you finish writing one of these stories for WPOE, are you generally relieved that you won't have to write another one for about four weeks or so? Or is that uh, as fun or more fun for you than performing the other, you know, the other person's story? I'm just curious. 
as to how you feel when you finish writing a story. We'll start with uh, Jessica. It's a bit like masturbating. <laughs> Caleb is very excited to answer this one. Wow, great warm up there. Um, I always look forward to doing this. To the writing or to the voicing? The writing or the voicing it. I mean, okay. honestly, I end up writing, when I start writing one, I end up writing two or three like at once because I get excited to like write for it or like I find a story or whatever. The voicing it, uh, it's fun too. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm getting at. So you, you've been operating kind of like Stephen King, like you've had a surplus. So you, there's no pressure to write one for the next person. So if you weren't operating in a surplus, would you feel pressure? But we're not in a surplus anymore, I don't think. Yeah. You tore through it. We're yeah. back in that place we were a while ago where I was like, okay, I have to write something because we our, have to our backlog, Our backlog's been flushed. <laughs> well, the only story we haven't used, I have one, which is that lobster. Oh, right. The, from the lobster's that. perspective. That's right. I which love that. may be the time for that now that, Maybe. you know, yeah, I mean, reality is. Let's see <laughs> what the some... lobster feels about lockdowns. <laughs> yeah, like so a rip be... in the fabric of, of reality. Um so yeah. when you write your your next story, do you think you'll you'll bang out two or three? I think so. Yeah, I don't really want to go for the. I don't know about the suitcase one because it's like it's a. So I like that one. Dark. I mean, I could go and I could go there. Yeah, I you, yeah. I never. Yeah. I don't write more. I like I labor over one, and it takes me forever. Uh, he does. He's a little slower on it, but but actually, he's, the de- puts the, care into it. The deadline is the only thing that makes me actually do it like i have the stories are in my head and i think Mm -hmm. about them a lot and i Mm -hmm. i'll write down like little ideas or pieces of them leading up to it but honestly up until the moment i have to do it like that's right at the event horizon where if i don't do it it just won't happen and then the podcast won't exist like that's when it happens i get Um, excited when it's like someone i know in florida when i see a story and i'm like Oh, this is my childhood, or this is like. <laughs> I you meant. Oh, this is that. Oh, that's my uncle. That was my neighbor. <laughs> like, so, that too. No, that then it's too close to home. Like this last story, I was like, Caleb, you kind of know who's involved in this, so it's weird. Well, but, but... I, like, like I was saying before, um, Sarah. Solomon I mean, like I know Garcia, the type. You know, she's a. That's a person we've all known. I feel like, in, in I mean, she was based on lots of people that I've known in my life. Uh, I just, oh, I got I to just, be one of my grandmas for that one. I gave her a little Florida <laughs> twist, you know, a little. Yeah, she's a Jubin. Kind of a South Florida twist, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure, because she was Jewish, married to a Cuban. Uh, she's probably a transplant from somewhere else, right? That moved down there. Yeah, I mean, I, I was remember. imagining that she, yeah, that she grew up in the Northeast or yeah. in New in New York or something, you know, and came down here for college or something and like stayed married. I think a so Cuban many people guy. do. Yeah. I think we both get really excited about doing this. I mean, especially right now. It's also but... the only thing either of us can really do right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely the thing I look I look forward to most, for sure, I'm working on. So, sorry, everybody else. Thank God for radio transmission. So, now that <laughs> you've Wi-Fi. each done like five or six of these, uh, have written uh, five or six of these, do you feel like you can kind of nail the 10, 12 minute timing that you're going for? Or do you feel like you ever have to edit down to make it shorter or 
fill it out to make it longer as you're writing or do you generally just kind of have a rhythm now I feel like for we're it? cutting now we're writing a lot and we're trying to cut oh, it down really? it used to be, a couple of them were short i wrote in the beginning on purpose just to kind of like give us some levity between the longer heavier stuff that took time you know Interesting. but um i feel like we're both doing that right hmm. yeah i've definitely uh and again, like this goes back to like a sort of a fundamental question of this whole project, because like one of the joys of it um, is that it exists outside of sort of like, I think for Jess and I, it exists outside of like our regular uh, kind of um, industry, you know, like yeah. we, we we can do whatever, whatever the hell we want. And that's, that's a real that's the real luxury of this. It's kind of what sparked the idea in the first place. Um, but so I think the stories at first kind of reflected that. Like we kind of were just like doing, writing whatever we wanted. Um, and now there is a little bit more of a um, understanding of what kind of works in the format. So yeah. there's a length and there's kind of a, and the stories are, are very different. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I like that they're different and I like that the characters and points of view are different. Um, but like for this, this, this story, uh, the rat lady, like there were, there were like pages where I went into like all the other weird, where she starts talking about like the, the people that like I researched who, if there was anyone kind of famous who went to, uh, the high school where she was supposedly taught at in Bunnell Her Heritage High School. And I found like, um, there's this uh, dancer who was a choreographer in New York, kind of a famous choreographer in New York who went there. So I had like these pages of how she was imagining that he remembers her uh, as being one of her teachers. This whole like weird thing about, you know how like she talks about no one's going to remember me like, you know, you probably have never heard of me, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. I love that part. I love how like, it ends where like the students don't thing. care about anything. Yeah. There's this whole thing they don't about ask how, like, any questions. well, but there was one famous person that went to, the, who might remember me, and he was, you know, like, and so that yeah, all Yeah, I'm glad cut. that's not in there. But, uh, yeah. You don't I mean, need it. But that's also part of the, kind of the, the fun about writing stuff like this, because you're, it's half of it's invented and the other half is real mm -hmm. and you get to kind of play around with that balance. I like that. Cool. Yeah. I like well, that. Well, thank you for joining me in the After Hours Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Good questions. Yeah. Good that. Every show that I listen to that I like, I want to know stuff that doesn't get talked about. So hopefully we can do some more of that with this. I wonder what's happening right now in the uh, After Hours Lounge on the Joe Biden malarkey bus. Nothing. Nothing to report home about. Nothing. They He's still have, eating um, they still haven't figured cheese out, sticks. They still haven't figured out how to use the video recorder. So We'll never know. He does not even know the date of the convention, I bet. He, he was kidnapped weeks ago by the World Bank. Oh, my God. 